What is going on, DTP fam? It is your host here on the Desert Tiger Podcast. My name is Colton Geschwaner, and on this episode of the show, I am joined by singer-songwriter Troy Kokel. Of course, before we go ahead and introduce you to Troy, I want to go ahead and thank those of you who have checked out last week's episode, which featured the Apollo Suns, as we spoke about their latest EP, Dawn Offerings. Of course, if you missed that episode, you know where to find it. It's in the archives on whatever service you listen on. You can find it. That and 67 other great conversations with amazing, talented individuals who are chasing their dreams right now as we speak. And of course, one more thing before we kick this thing off, I want to go ahead and mention I love DTP.com because that is the best place for you to go to support the show and to make sure that it continues to grow. Yeah, that's right. All right, like I said earlier, my guest this week on the show is singer-songwriter Troy Kokel as we discuss his latest album, Lonely Ghost, and we're going to take a deep dive into the latest single off of that album. It is entitled Light Bulb, and of course, Troy actually taught himself some claymation and a bit of animation so that he could create this music video himself. Of course, he was a cartoonist a bit earlier in his life, as he's going to tell you. So it's only a natural transition that Troy would want to learn these new skills. And you're going to find out that Troy is actually very, very driven by learning new things, by adapting to the world around him. Of course, Troy got his start as a songwriter teaming up with his wife, Joni. One of the first songs they ever wrote together actually ended up becoming a Canadian country music hit back in 2006. And before that, he had never actually really stepped into the country world. He wasn't really about that life. So how does one go from not really knowing much about country to suddenly being invited to some of the biggest award shows associated with the genre and actually picking up awards in some of those award shows, such as the Canadian Country Music Awards, and something that I find very beautiful and something that you're going to hear Troy say during this interview is Troy built his wings on the way down. A lot of people don't really start at the top of an industry where suddenly they're, they're, everyone's eyes are on them and the pressure is on to repeat. So how does Troy transition from not really pursuing a musical career to suddenly being one of the top songwriters in a very popular genre in North America? And of course from there, where did he transition to wanting to record and write his own music? All of this and more in today's conversation with my guest, Troy Kokel, as we discuss his latest album, Lonely Ghost. And of course, would it be an episode of Desert Tiger if we didn't kick things off 
with Troy's latest single, of course, that being Lightbulb. That single that Troy taught himself some animation and claymation for so that he could go ahead and create the video and accomplish his vision himself for that. And of course, I highly recommend that you head on over to YouTube at some point and check out Troy's work on the video for Lightbulb yourself. And I know that something that Troy was possibly very nervous for was the release for this music video. Of course, it being his first one that he had created and released into the world by himself. And of course, nerves is actually the main topic of the video. And of course, the song. So maybe, hopefully, this song inspires you to get past your nerves and shine bright, just like a light bulb. We've been talking half the night, but I'm just hearing voices in my head. Telling me just watch your step, mind the gap, boy, look out for the edge. Cause I've been broken before, picking pieces off the floor, but I'm still looking for a girl like you. I'm a little fragile, shattered and bruised. Yeah, I got a little black and blue, so gunshot, looking for a girl like you. I'm just a light bulb in a box, tape shut full of rocks, and I'm just tumbling down like a light bulb in a box. Yeah, I'll be turned to dust if I keep tumbling down, tumbling down. Once bitten, twice as shy But when it comes to you, I'd take that chance Pull myself together, girl And I'd put every fragment in your hands Oh, cause I've been broken before Picking pieces off the floor But I'm still looking for a girl like you I'm a little fragile, shattered and bruised yeah, I got a little black and blue, so gunshot Looking for a girl like you Cause I'm a light bulb in a box Tape shut full of rocks And I'm just tumbling down Like a light bulb in a box Yeah, I'll be turned to dust if I keep tumbling And I'm just tumbling down Just a light bulb in a box Yeah, it won't take much if I keep tumbling down Like a light bulb in a box Tape shut full of rocks And I'm just tumbling down Like a light bulb in a box Yeah, I'll be turned to dust if I keep 
Desert Tiger Podcast. All right, we are joined here by Troy Kokel here on the Desert Tiger Podcast today. He recently released an album in 2018 entitled Lonely Ghost. It's an incredible listen, but of course, he's more known for his song Writing Credentials. We're going to be speaking to him a little bit about both of those worlds today here. How's it going today, Troy? So good, Colton. Thanks for having me. It's warmer up here in Canada. It's been cold, you know, of course it's Canada, so but I'm feeling good today. It's cuz the sun's out. Mhm. It's it's very nice once it finally breaks through. Of course, some places are probably a little more used to it getting warm earlier, but I mean, May long yep. is always a miserable weekend, but after that, it's always incredible. <laughs> exactly. Did you uh, spend your May long any specific way? So we were promoting the single, so I was, and Canada, of course, is massive. So because our centers are so far away, so we have to travel a lot when we're promoting or doing any kind of music stuff. So I was out traveling about over the long weekend. Oh, staying busy, staying busy, always on the grind, yeah. eh? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, well, let's start off with how you actually got into the music side of things because you actually started off with songwriting before you actually released any solo records of your own so how did you take a step into that world and what were you doing before you began crafting songs i've always been somewhat musical but i've always been sort of reluctant actually our our, uh published music company's name is reluctant cowboy music and i think we come by that honestly because I went to school, went to high school, got an education, you know, was working for the city. Probably about 10 years ago, a little, little, little bit longer than that, we had a, a minor hit. I wouldn't say a minor hit. I shouldn't even say that. It was actually, we had a, a cut with a fellow that was a, it was a new label, a new artist. They had the whole record completed, and then last minute, the, a song was pulled. So we we had told them a week before, because we met this fellow through musical channels, that we had been writing and we wrote this song. And anyway, so he called us and said, hey, send us that song that you were talking about. We'd like to hear it because we just had a song pulled from a record. Anyways, we sent him the song and CMT, uh, Country Music Television, Chorus Entertainment, which is a, a big conglomerate here in Canada. Everybody loved the song. So they cut it. And it blew up. It, it basically was in the top 10 for 12 weeks. We, uh, we, were, we won a SOCAN award. SOCAN sort of like a songwriter uh, publisher awards. And we were nominated for Songwriter of the Year at the Country Music Awards. And so we were just like, wow, okay, I guess we're doing this now. So from that point on, there was lots of learning. <laughs> we had to figure out like the business, learning to, to network. And, and I'm saying we is my wife and I who co-wrote the song, Joni Delorier, we really were, we came into it sideways. So that's how we got into the songwriting business. And from there, I've been, you know, we started a publishing company and we started, I started producing artists a couple of years ago. It's been, it's been sort of a sideways, you know, we didn't pay our dues like most people's, you know, starving artists that we know. Uh, so again, like we, we kind of came into it a bit reluctantly. As opposed to having to maybe go 20 years as, 
because I recently <laughs> spoke with somebody who met one of the guys who worked on the um, that thrift store song, the I'm Gonna Pop Some Tags, and the dude who sang wow. the hook on that was 50 years old when he sang that, and he won a Grammy for that. He had been writing songs for 20 years until wow. he hit that point. So you kind of had the opposite of that, where one of your first songs kind of popped off for yeah. you. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, you know, the, the funny thing about this business is that, you know, when you have success, and your friend uh, could, could attest to this, is that when you have success, of course, everyone's like, oh, you got to do that again. And, and the funny thing is for us, because especially for myself, my wife had a lot more songwriting experience than I did. But, you know, once you have success, people want you to just repeat it. And, and part of the whole process for me is like, man, I got to learn how to songwrite first. Because this thing was just like a serendipitous, you know, act of God kind of who knows if that'll ever happen to anybody again. Because, you know, here's two people, full-time jobs, all of a sudden it's like, you know, we're on national television talking about the song we wrote. And we're like, I don't know. (laughs) Is it ever going to happen again? So I think, you know, what ends up happening is that I had to really kind of like, okay, you know, let's keep our heads on here. Let's take the long, slow nickel kind of thing and learn and be patient with it and understand that it's like, it, we're probably not going to be able to do this maybe ever again in our lives. But if we're ever going to get to that point again, we need to accept the fact that we're going to have to spend some time to learn and to, you know, to cut our teeth. And so I feel like that move on our part was kind of, you know, smart in the sense that we didn't really kind of burn ourselves out. Cause I do see a lot of people that have early success and I think it's hard on people, especially if you haven't, you know, quote unquote earned it like your friend with the Macklemore song, because he understands it's like, man, it's tough. So just be patient, just be, you know, slow and steady wins the race, you know? So mm-hmm. I really respect that. I respect those 20 years. You know, I haven't put that in yet and hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, when it, once I have, maybe I'll, I'll get me a Macklemore cut, you know? That'd be great. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, it was just a friend of a friend who had met the guy, unfortunately. I haven't wow. met him myself, but still, just you oh know, my that, gosh. that sixth degree or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. That song that broke, that was Pickup Truck for Shane Yellowbird, right? Yeah, you betcha, yeah. So that, of course, is a very classic country song. Like you said, Chorus Entertainment's really big on that. You guys are suddenly on CMT, which is the forefront for Canadian music television, and it's on millions of televisions across Canada and everything else. But were you even, like, much of a country music person before this even all took off? Great, great question, because I wasn't. So when I got into this whole songwriting thing, you know, when, when I got out of college, I, while I was in college, I wanted to start, I wanted to be Nirvana or, you know, Nickelback, or I wanted to be something cool, you know, or something at least three-piece rock band. And when I brought one of my first songs to the uh, my, my guitar player, he's like, dude, that is like so country. And I'm like, no, it's not, <laughs> you know. But the thing was, is I grew up in, in a small town, around country music folks and and listening to that all the time and i really kind of i kind of gave up on it just because it's like i i can't i can't write music you know i really believed that i couldn't do it so my wife was very much in the country and when we had this you know early success she really she gave me little cds and she's like hey you gotta you gotta learn you gotta bone up on this we can't go to the music awards and have you not knowing 
all the major artists. So I had to mm-hmm. seriously do like some mega homework for the first year or two years because I didn't know anybody or anything about anything. So I, I not only didn't know about the music business, but I didn't know about the country music genre. You know, it was a bit of a panic mode for me. But And I think in some ways that might have been a good thing, in some ways creatively, because I wasn't constrained to what I thought it had to be, you know? So because I am a big, and still am a big, you know, garage band grunge music lover and and uh you know i love pop and edm and you know, there's i have a lot of sort of non-country music uh music in my playlist so i think it helps a little bit to you know creatively when i am writing something for or producing something for someone that it's i can bleed some of that you know weird uh weird stuff into it so what were some of the challenges that you found once you started to pick up steam and attention because once bigger labels are starting to catch on to you because i mean for shane yellowbird to call you up and say hey i'd love for you to send over this track so that we can hear it is one thing but once you actually have a label coming to you and saying like because like some labels have very specific formulas to the way that they want to put things together. So once they come to you with, we want specifically this, this, and this, how, what are some of the challenges that you have to go through and how difficult is that transition? I, I, yeah, I think the, the toughest thing about all of it is just the pressure. Because when I first got into it, of course, you know, when you have success, people are patting you on the back. People are giving, you know, you got money coming at you. You've got opportunities coming at you. And when you're new, number one, and when you're inexperienced, number two, which I was, it was a lot at first for the first year or two, I felt an insane amount of pressure, but I, I had to come to terms with the fact that I was new and that I wasn't experienced and just say, you know what, you know, like I say, this was a God thing or a fate thing or whatever you want to call it little miracle that happened in our life to bring us into music. Let's just accept it for what it is. And let's just kind of like relax when people are, are coming to us for, with opportunities, let's just do the best we can, but also let's be okay with where we're at. I think that was the biggest challenge because we didn't have tons of years on music row or in LA or in New York working and, you know, starving under, you know, understanding what it takes to, uh, work in a super competitive environment like that. So I think the biggest challenge for us in the, in the beginning was really just kind of being okay with where we're at and being okay with growing slowly and not having, you know, because of course we have this, you know, top 10, it was like a billboard rated at number six all time on radio. So we, we were sort of like, man, it's a lot of pressure to try to follow that up. And, and so we just had to be okay with saying, you know what? let's just, you know, continue forward and use this as an opportunity to create other opportunities. And I feel like it did, you know, eventually because we did sort of say, let's not worry about it. Let's not get too worked up about it because I think you can, you know, definitely. And if you let the pressure get to you, you're going to start to second guess every part of every song. 100%. And, and, you know, at first, after about the first two years, like what I realized is because of that fear and because of that pressure, my writing got worse because I was new and inexperienced and I'm trying to follow. And what I didn't realize is like, you know what, you're a creative being just on your own, nurture it. So part of this record that 
that uh, that you're listening to and the record before that were really me sort of sitting down and getting into a space where it's like, I'm just going to write a song about how I feel today and just be creative and not try to constrain it with, you know, the commercial music uh, norms and try to, you know, I'm not going to worry about how long I get into the introductions and how long the outros are and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, eventually what ends up happening is I've got this collections of songs that I really, really love that have nothing to do with commercial music, you know, and that's why you know, they're more folk Americana. I think, you know, it allows me, it affords us the ability to, to do something creative, but also when we're in those co-writes or when we're producing the music, you know, we can be a little more free with it and not be so constrained by the, yeah, by the fears or the, you know, the, the needs of the artist, because everybody, of course, in the in the business, and you would know this as well, Colton, talking to all the people, is that there's a lot of fear and apprehension and desperation, and people are, are forever trying to, you know, get a leg up any way they can. So I think that's, that plays out negatively in, in most people's careers, you know. So uh, we just decided that, hey, we're not going to do it that way if we can help it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, Definitely. Yeah. Try and avoid mm-hmm. the negativity of it all and try and continue. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like just be joyful about it and, you know, and, and love on people and help people out. You know, that was one thing that I do a lot of is we help people out. And, and you know, that kind of attitude I felt has been more nurturing. It's helped my creativity, but it's also helped my connections. And, and it's made me feel like it's not such a big deal. You know, like we're, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, having success on radio isn't a big deal, but I'm so, I'm just saying that, you know, in the, in the scheme of life, you know, like there are a lot more important things like making friends and enjoying your experiences and, and living in the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. So I try to, you know, live like that as much as I possibly can. So mm-hmm. it, it's just to say, like, if you had the goal of making the billboards again, that's a good goal. But if your goal was to beat the song that made number six, you may never do that. <laughs> and that might drive you crazy, right? Oh, for sure. And, and, and it turns something that should be joyful and, and amazing and something that is filling, it turns that into a soul-sucking, just, you know, you see people in the, that are doing that, that, that are living that out, and there's no, no good comes from that. You know? mm-hmm. It's not worth it, you know. It's just uh, I'm much more uh, interested in meeting people and making connections, and you know, because that's – to me, that's what matters, you know, and, and, and so the music is a great vehicle to, you know, make that happen, to mm-hmm. accommodate that. So, and yeah. Some of the best part of those songwriting meetings and sessions is the memories that you create with those people inside the room. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, you know, you get to learn about, you know, different people's experiences and, and, and which ultimately helps you learn about your own experience and helps you grow as a human being. Because truthfully, I always, and I always tell this to new artists I'm mentoring, it's like, you know, probably 50 years from now, nothing that you're ever going to do is going to be remembered. No one's even going to know you existed. So knowing that today, if you knew that nothing that you created was going to be even even on anyone's radar 50 years from now, how would you behave differently? Mm-hmm. You know, you probably, you probably live in the moment more and just enjoy it. And if you have some success, just be proud of it. And, you know, help other people if you can help them and just don't don't make it a do or die thing. And like it it matters, it matters as much as it, you know, because at the end of the day, it really doesn't. As long as you were, you know, able to 
help somebody uh, connect to some emotion or you're, you're able to have someone, you know, enjoy their day because they like your song, then you've done it. You've accomplished everything you need to accomplish. You know, everything else is just luck and circumstance. And as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just, it's, there's so many factors that go into things. Some of them you can control. Some of them you can't control. You can write a hit song. Exactly. It's when does it hit the market and who hears it and who puts it where all factors into exactly how big of a hit song that song truly becomes. hundred mm-hmm. percent agreed. In 2009, you made like you mentioned earlier, you made the focus to actually release some of your own music and release some of you, some things that spoke to yourself personally. So transitioning from songwriting to other people to creating your own album had you became a producer yet at that point or was somebody else helping you in the studio for lost in the metaphor the thing was is that because we're songwriting primarily i recognized very early on if i want to be competitive in this business and i want to grow that i needed to try to claw back some of that control creative control and, and that was through producing and also mixing and mastering, which I did on this record. So this, this project that I have is a hundred percent DIY. I did the video, I did the mixing, mastering, recording. And so, and I do that, you know, I, I, I I am doing it and intend to do it with my artists moving forward. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, with the, the original album in 2009, yeah, I produced it. I didn't engineer it because that mixing side of it is such a scientific, huge learning curve. Uh, you know, I'm just only now beginning to understand a little bit of it, and it's a very challenging, um, you know, trade. But uh, yeah, so 2009 was uh, that's when I really started producing for myself, and I started producing for others as well. But it's only been in the last couple of years where I've been, you know, sort of doing producing, mixing, mastering for other artists, you know, sort of full time, along with the songwriting and doing my own little, you know, this like this project as well. So my plate is full. <laughs> So there's that. So, but it's good. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So, di- when did you learn to produce then? Well, it was kind of everything that I've done because I came into it late. I've always, I decided early on, it's like I got to build my wings on the way down. Even with this project, with my video, I was literally learning as I'm doing. Because I, I used to be a professional cartoonist when I was in college. I did, like, panel cartoons, uh, far side-ish type stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I was with King's Feature Syndicate in, uh, in New York there, and it was great. I mean, talk about no money in music. There's, like, zero money in cartooning, I'll tell you. <laughs> you do that definitely because you love it. So I wanted to do stop motion, but as I'm going along doing the stop motion thing, uh, I realized, like, man, I... How do I do this or how do I do that? I'd get to a point where I need to Google figure out how to do uh, this kind of technique. And so, the, you know, for me, uh, learning to produce was the same thing. When I did my album in 2009, I just decided, okay, I really have to learn how to do X. And so I would go onto YouTube and say, you know, how do I do this or how do I, you know, comp vocals, you know, and how do I. And that was really helpful. And I had a couple of friends help me at key points. But yeah, it, I learned as I went, you know, it was, it's kind of a scary process because, you know, I had these in Canada, there's, there's grants and, and you can get money to do your projects. But when you do get that money to do your projects, you have to follow up on a date. 
So I had these dates that I had to follow up on and a bit daunting because it's like, hey, I have to hit this date. And, uh, oh, by the way, I have to learn how to do it. <laughs> you know? So it was, uh, it was a bit uh, frightening. So. so you've been very hands-on from the beginning, learning as you need it. Yes, definitely. And I, and I feel too, you know, and I'm, especially for females in the business, uh, I'm a big advocate of female artists, producers, you know, if it was my choice, it would be half women, half men, because I think women are incredibly creative and awesome. You know, I always encourage new artists. It's like, man, learn, learn the tools. Because, you know, the minute you're reliant on somebody to create your music, well, someone's going to be making money off you, and their goals are not in alignment with yours. Mm-hmm. You know, as an artist, your goal is to do great work and to have people connect with it. And as a producer or as a record label, you're goal is to make money and if that money happens to be in your pocket or your parents pocket or your uncle's pockets it's like they don't really care where it comes from and they're not super concerned once once they got the money whether or not you know there's more left at the end of it so i'm always very much a proponent of artists and especially females taking control of their creative uh life by at least learning some of it you know um Mm -hmm. i've taken it to the nth degree I don't think everybody necessarily is wired that way, but I definitely feel like as artists, we need to take control, you know, of our destinies. And, and, and that way you can, you know, it's so much easier to share the, share your creativity and the beautiful stuff that everyone makes. Well, and I 100% agree with that because even with this project, like I learned how to edit the audio as I was building the podcast and everything else. Yeah. And imagine if you, if you were reliant on an engineer or somebody to to do that for you on your behalf or to you know i just then all of a sudden your dreams and all the things that you're trying to accomplish in your life are reliant on someone else and hey by the way they may take you for a bit of a ride on the way there and you know and and i think it's so important so yeah agreed 100 percent. well it's very hard to make sure that somebody's vision allies aligns with you especially when it comes from a label standpoint where their main concern is monetary and they can walk into the room and when you first sign the deal they'll say yes they'll agree to everything that you have to say and that no yeah we totally agree with this vision but if sales don't necessarily go how they want to see things or if they don't see things working out necessarily then suddenly they're going to start putting their hands into things a little bit more than you thought that they were going to. Exactly. And I think the other part of it, too, is to recognize from an artist's perspective, like I always tell artists, it's like, remember, you know, just always try to think about, you know, whomever you're connected with or whomever is your resource, just remember that they have a goal and a vision like radio is selling advertising. They have nothing out. They're not trying to, you know, ruin you uh, as an artist and not add your song. They just need to make sure that the listeners don't shut the, the, the radio off. So there's a reason behind it. So same with producers, same with labels. I mean, they're all business models that have nothing to do with you and your art and the beautiful things that you're doing. And they, you know, and that's why I think it's so hard, you know, cause artists are like, you know, I'm an artist, you're, you're artistic. It's like, we're fragile creatures. You know, mm-hmm. we're like, it's like, you know, our poor little, souls are just hanging on by a thread and we go into these you know these situations with people that are especially now you know these businesses are doing everything they can to claw that money back so yeah it's 
the concern of, of what your goals are are zero, you know, especially once you get into the big, you know, big picture with big businesses. It's like, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, you know, taking control of your own life and, and making sure you're watching out for yourself. Is so important. Big, uh, big props to, to anyone who's doing that. All right, we're going to take a short break from this conversation with Troy Kokel. Of course, we're going to be playing you another track off of his album, Lonely Ghost, one that we're going to be speaking about just ahead here very shortly. So you're definitely going to want to hold on for that one. Of course, before we go ahead and play you that track, you know what it is. I want to talk to you guys about ILoveDTP.com. You guys know that the best free ways to support the show are to subscribe, rate, review, and to share the episodes of the podcast. But what about those of you who want to take it one step further in showing your support for Desert Tiger, of course, the best place for you to do that is to head on over to ILoveDTP.com. That is right, ILoveDTP.com is where you are going to find yourself the finest in Desert Tiger podcast merchandise so that you can rep the show every single place you go in front of your friends in front of your family hell in front of your enemies because who is going to stop you when you are out there chasing your dreams sure is shit not them so go ahead and order yourself the latest in desert tiger podcast merch hats they're coming soon tank tops they're coming soon i know that i said that very recently and maybe they should have been out already and i totally acknowledge that i I have dropped the ball on that, but that is okay because they are coming to you to the web store in the month of June. What web store? I love DTP.com. And of course, when you make your order, you're gonna go ahead and get yourself a handwritten thank you note from a yours truly. If you would prefer a phone call, how do you go ahead and do that? Why you go ahead and put your phone number inside the order comments when it says, do you have any special things that you would like to do? Well, you go ahead and you put in your phone number and when I have the time at a reasonable hour of the day, of course, I know that we all leave live very busy lives i'll go ahead and give you a shout we can talk about what your favorite podcast episode is we can go ahead about who talk about who you think you would like to hear on the show we can go ahead and talk about what your cat did yesterday that was completely outrageous and silly whatever it is that truly pleases your heart I will go ahead and give you a shout and we'll do that and of course the place to go ahead and get that shout out to get that t-shirt to get the free stickers and the everything else that comes with it it is I love DTP.com of course that is I love DTP.com and I know that sometimes some of you maybe you're saving up for that big vacation or maybe your big vacation is something that like you like to do maybe your big vacation is listening to the desert tiger podcast while you're at work maybe that's what helps you escape from your life maybe for some people it's that wonderful person that they get to go home to 
every single day that they get to walk through the door, talk to them about how everything went, that they get to hold them close, kiss them on the lips, and enjoy their lives together. Maybe that is your big vacation. Sometimes when life is too hard, I just get in the car with you and I just find us a road and wherever we go, your blue eyes seem to always send me to far off places that I've never been before. I swear there's days when I just want to throw up my hands, but then you're there and you talk me down off the ledge and somehow again you take me somewhere better. There's a change in the weather when we're together Cause being with you is like a big vacation All we gotta do is find a radio station And turn it up loud And there ain't a cloud in the sky When you're by my side It's like I'm down in Mexico Soaking in the sun rays It's just like Jamaica Knee-deep in the cool waves It's hard to explain But my only explanation Is being with you Is like a big vacation We go for weeks With her just isn't one single minute to spare And I know We dream of a day when I'll take you away from here But till then no crying i'll keep you warm and smiling like we're off on some island cause being with you is like a big vacation all we gotta do is find a radio station and turn it up loud and there ain't a cloud in the sky when you're by my side it's like i'm down in mexico soaking in the sun rays it's just like jamaica knee-deep in the cool waves it's hard to explain but my only explanation is being with you is like a big vacation it's all 6 a.m stack of bills gray skies and beeping horns and breakdowns till you come around Being with you is like a big vacation All we gotta do is find a radio station And turn it up loud And there ain't a cloud in the sky When you're by my side It's like I'm down in Mexico Soaking in the sun rays It's just like Jamaica Knee deep in the cool waves It's hard to explain But my only explanation Well, it's hard to explain But my only explanation Is being with you Is like a big vacation Desert Tiger Podcast. From Lost in the Metaphor.
you took quite a bit of time in between that and Lonely Ghost here. So was there a conscious effort for doing that? Were you just concentrating on producing other people's music in between there? Honestly, just time, you know, because I've always had a, a job up until about three years ago because I was always been like, man, I am not doing music full time. It's, you know, because I like knowing where my paychecks come from. I'm a super practical guy. For me, I, I only left work like three years ago. And so, but up until that point, you know, we're producing, I'm producing other artists. I'm writing songs for people. We're traveling. We're doing all this stuff. And it was great, you know, because I had a job working for the planning department city of calgary and you know there's lots of money there and we can do our stuff and you know have our cake and eat it too but unfortunately i didn't have any time to do anything except for just you know music and work trying to do like my own project was really tough it's only been in the last while that i've been able to have the at least the the time to take all the songs that i've written and like put it into a form and and like i said because i decided to do everything on this one i did the recording mixing and mastering um and this video and so it's that's why it's taken so long (laughs) because we've been just you know going 40 hours a week at work and then come home and do 20 30 hours a week you know doing our stuff uh in the studio so Mm -hmm. time was was scarce (laughs) yeah big time I, I yeah. can imagine that like people you work with are happy that you're doing well, but when you're trying to take off time to go to the CCMAs or to do a writing session, they're a little less enthusiastic some days. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, honestly, the, the when I worked at the city of Calgary, they were amazing. I mean, because I'm super responsible and I, you know, I'm also very, like, I'm punctual guy and you know, I show up when I say I'm going to show up, unlike most people in the, that we, we meet in our music <laughs> business. When it, when I did have to go, everyone was really supportive, to be honest, was surprisingly supportive. And even when I, when I left, I mean, my boss was like, you need to go do this, you know, like you need to go chase this thing. Like you've got something going on and don't let it pass you by. And so, you know, it was like that. We had that kind of support. So it was they told us the door was open and so we were ever so grateful uh that we had those kind of people in our lives to just make you feel like yeah this is all right you know it's not going to be a huge disaster and we're not being crazy or responsible by taking a chance on our talents Mm -hmm. so definitely it makes things a lot easier when the people around you are saying no man you have to do this (laughs) yeah for sure. Made us excited about it. All right. So from mm-hmm. leaving the city of Calgary into the creation of Lonely Ghost, how do we transition into this? Once you're in control of your own world, you're spending some time producing and helping co-writing for some own artists. But once again, you're starting to craft some things for yourself. How does that finally feel to once again start putting some things together for your own voice awesome of course you know like being able to get, have these songs like i said before colton you know like i we i wrote these songs as a creative exercise to break out of the constraints of the you know commercial music world and just to you know nurture my creativity and so to take those you know my crazy weirdo songs and and to put them on our on a record was super fun but I feel as well, the great part about it is that I can share some of the 
some of my what I learned, what what mistakes I made, and with the artists that I work with, you know. And so it's a great sort of you know testing ground for me uh, to to do my thing and to you know work with the people I'm working with and take a chance on my own music and to to learn from that and what my were my successes and and pass that on to friends or people I'm working with. So that's the cool fringe benefit of all of it. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely being received very well it's received a lot of awards for the work that you've put out songwriter of the year at the yyc music awards 2018 nominee for indigenous music award for folk album of the year just lots of hype for this album and what you've given even though you said it's like for your weirdo songs you're still getting a very positive response yeah, thank you. And I think part of it is that I've discovered, the one thing I've learned about creating anything, really, is just about being honest and having, not sort of hiding behind, you know, because I think the when you're creating stuff, whatever it is, movies, podcasts, songs, I think there's a tendency, you know, for me especially, to try to be come off cool, you know? <laughs> and, so, and, and I think that I've found that I've had more success on radio with other artists doing whatever it is when I'm like dropping my guard a little bit and just like, Hey, let's just do, you know, do you, you know, be yourself and inject yourself as much as possible. And the more you do that, the more people will probably connect to it. And especially people that are kind of like you, you know, the people that are sort of grooved with your thinking, it's like those are going to be your fans or the people that are going to connect with you. So I think, dropping your guard and allowing yourself to, you know, like I, like this would be a little bit of a weirdo. It, it, it allows you to connect with other people that are like-minded. And, and that, that's what I think really creates that, you know, like the, the connection, but also gives you a, a career in whatever you're doing. Fantastic. Yeah. One of the tracks off the album, the first single was entitled Jim Cuddy. It's a very fun track. The album or the video animated by a former Hanna-Barbera animator. I mean, how did, how did that come about? <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, I, when the guy hit me up, so I was looking around to, so I was going to do a stop-motion video for my first single last year. Mm. And and I set my dates, and I had, you know, you have to kind of say, okay, I want to release it here, but then there's, you have to think about all the things. So one of the things I didn't really figure on was how much time it was going to take me to do the stop motion. So now I'm three months out uh, of the release, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I've, I'm, I should have started, like, uh, six months ago once I figured out how much work it was going to take. So I started panicking, and I started reaching out, reaching out, trying to find cartoonists, cartoonists. And there was lots of artists out there, but I wanted I wanted it to be quirky and fun, but I also wanted it to be – I wanted it to feel uh, a little cartoonish, but not too much, and – Anyways, I, I came across Reggie, Ntienza, and because I had already written the screenplay, I had already done, this is exactly what I want, here's the images I want, the scenes I want, and how long they need to be. So I a lot of that pre-work was done. He wasn't necessarily cheap, but I could afford him because I had basically done a ton of work up, up front, so really all he had to do was come up with the character sketches and then just fill in the blanks. And the amazing thing about it, though, was that he was able to create this this uh, video, but then also add some of those cool 1980, circa 1980 cartoon-type effects, things that I just, 
you know, that, that a pro does, you know, without even thinking about it. So it was just, I felt like, man, I, I got lucky here just finding this guy. So, mm. and you know, the, one of the things about cartoonists and I know guys from Disney Pixar cause you know, I, I worked in the children's uh, songs. I write children's songs as well. You know, with, with, with the advent of the digital era, so many cartoonists and these amazing talent uh, have had to find work in other ways. So, uh, you know, doing commercials or doing, um, you know, working for, uh, you know, other television studios. And so Reggie was one of these fellows that, uh, you know, one very, very talented guy that keeps himself busy, you know, working in the corporate world. And so I just happened to trip over some of his work and I'm like, Ooh, I like this. So I was, uh, it was, it was a moment. So I was pr- pretty happy about it. So, mm-hmm. well, it, the animation style and the way that he pulled it off, it definitely fits the vibe of the song and it definitely like the energy of it is very fun and everything else too. And like you said, yeah. you wrote the script for that one as well. And something that you mentioned earlier is you actually animated the video for your latest single, the second single off of Lonely Ghost entitled Light Bulb. So you mentioned that you maybe bit off a little bit more that you could chew in time regards for the first single. So once you release that single and you decide that you want to go, that you still want to go about animating the second one, do you just get right to it knowing that there's a lot more work this time around? Yeah, for sure. And you know, and the other thing too, is that we were talking about me sort of building building my wings on the way down and learning as I go. That was another process where it's like, okay, I'm going to do stop motion. I think I'm going to do claymation. I just decided this. I've never done claymation before. So I'm like, how do you do claymation? Claymation 101, Google. And then I'm like learning about armatures and clay and different paints and, oh my gosh. And and I'm building this set and I'm like, where do I get bricks that are like a half an inch by, because I want to build this brick wall. And it was just, so every step of the way I built the set but it's even like, where do I get a cup that's three quarters of an inch high, you know? So all of these little challenges along the way, I, I'd started a really, I said nine months, but it was really a year before the the video came out, just kind of like figuring out what are the characters going to look like? What am I trying to say? What is the story going to be like? And so it was, uh, it was a process for sure, but I, I had so much fun doing it. And so I think if I wasn't interested in animation, I would have never undertaken that task and and because i'm producing and and songwriting during the day i had to basically work on it while i was you know watching netflix with my wife and or you know in between projects so which you know it would i I probably could have got it done a lot faster if i had uh had the time but i think it was good in a way because i had to it allowed me to think on things and to consider whether or not was that a smart way to do it so there's stop motion in it, there's real animation, and then there's uh, computer graphics as well that I, I did all of that. To, it was all time-saving to try to not have to do the whole thing in stop motion. But I think it keeps it looking at least somewhat, it keeps your eye moving, and, and it's a little, maybe a little more interesting than if it were just stop motion. So it was a task, though, for sure. Mm-hmm. So you had to not only learn stop motion, but you also had to learn how to what animation program were you using i used a program called flip a clip it's like i had this huawei pad and i'm like okay i'm going to do this animation 
on this thing because you can draw on it. And like I said before, I, I, I cartooned professionally for a while, so I had at least some skill to do drawing and, and stuff like that. So I felt confident that way, but it was even like, okay, well, how do I take this 12 frames a second thing and then import, export that and then get it into Final Cut Pro and make it look like it belongs with this stop motion stuff. And it was a, a bit of a chore. You know, it was every challenge. I just thought, okay, well, somebody's done it before and I would just Google it and, or look it up on YouTube and, and lo and behold, the answer would be there. So yeah, it was a, it was a lot of faith, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of sweat and, uh, you know, worry about you know, whether or not I was going to be able to pull it off. But uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it was an interesting project for crafting the scripts how how strongly does it relate to the lyrics of the song quite a bit so the song i came up with the chorus when i was on my way to a co-write and i had this you know i'm a light bulb in a box tape shot full of rocks and i'm just tumbling down i thought oh that'd be kind of an interesting sort of thing to write about I always write when, especially for my record, it's always about me, my, you know, sort of like my dark secrets, you know, all the, uh, you know, so for me, this, uh, this idea, this song was really about fears, fears of, you know, being friends or, or loving somebody or giving, uh, giving of yourself and, and not receiving it back. So the, the fellow in the, in the video, he's, he's on a date. And so he's, he wants to fall in love with this girl. He thinks she's awesome, but it, you know, she's going to hurt me. You know, like, Oh my gosh, she's going you know, to, she, and she turns into the devil. And so I really wanted to capture that. You let your mind get too worried about stuff. And really it's not that big of a deal. And so it's uh it is 100% that, you know, it's not autobiographical, the video, but I would say the uh, the song kind of is, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, that I'm I'm definitely uh, live in a, a little fearful box sometimes, and and don't uh, and you know put too much thought into things, and you know this is how I grow and learn is by venting on, mm. on my songwriting. Well, and I mean, especially after you take a big step into becoming your own boss i mean that is definitely something that it can create a lot of fear emotions oh for sure 100 <laughs> percent. yeah agreed okay so let's speak about the rest of the album lonely ghost is there any other tracks on there that truly speak a truth to you that you really felt that like captured a moment that you just really had to get out yeah, for sure. I would have to say all of them. Every single one of those songs is about someone or something that happened that was very much connected to who I am. And for me, when I'm writing these songs and I'm doing the creative thing, it's really important that for me, I feel like it, it comes out genuine and it will connect with people more if I'm honest about it. So. I would say all of those songs are little moments of my life that, that I was feeling something. I have this one called Big Vacation, and it's really about my wife, and it's a super simple kind of, it's probably the most country song on the record, but that for me is just, it's really about, you know, being with you is like, is like a big big vacation, and but I really mean that, and when you listen to the song, 
you know, there's there's a lot of things that have happened in our lives when I'm feeling worried about stuff, or I'm worried about bills, or I'm worried about, you know, this or that. And but my wife's the kind of person that just man, the sun's shining every day. So I would say that all of the songs, uh, including Big Vacation, are are definitely uh, experiences, direct experiences that I've had with something. You know, so mm-hmm. yeah. So it's all it's, it's basically yeah. I'm just letting all the cats out of the bag all at once. Okay. That's <laughs> Big Vacation is actually uh, one of the songs that I really, really found myself enjoying on the album, which was very odd for myself because, like you mentioned earlier, not being like a true country person, like I grew up in Saskatchewan and I grew up on a farm and raised by country music. I was not about that scene at all. But, like, I must say, this album was, like, a very good way to get my foot into the door because that song caught me, and I was like, man, this is country. And if you would have played this for me a decade ago, I would have I would have walked away. <laughs> I would have told you it was terrible just because I had that mindset built within my mind. And it's like, honestly, listening to it, one of the best tracks on the album, and I've listened to it numerous times. I sent it to one of my best friends who loves country music back in Saskatchewan, and she loved it. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. So now that you've finally released the video for Lightbulb after crafting it, after learning so many different things to bring that child to life, what's next for Troy Kokel is there going to be another single off of Lonely Ghost or are we going to go into a bit of producing and a songwriting run here? So I definitely feel like in the next while I, I'm going to be focusing on uh, so I've got, I want to put at least I think I want to do one more single off of this record but I think in between there I'm probably going to release There's because I have a couple songs that are like completely unlike anything else I've done and I, I really have enjoyed creating a visual media to go with the songs i feel like it helps me promote myself as a creative person as a producer but i also feel like just for me in terms of like my own happiness and creativity uh it's it's a great thing i definitely will do another single off of this record for sure and i'm thinking that's probably going to be either next year or in the fall but in the meantime there's another song that i have already recorded that i really just want to you know put put out there and it, it's on like i say it's unlike everything else I've, I've done so it's not it doesn't fit in the folk world at all but still going to do something with it so um and then in addition i'm i'm producing artists and, and songwriting and you know i have a lot of you know sort of deadlines i'm trying to meet <laughs> so i've got people texting me saying hey where's my stuff man and the other thing is that uh, my wife, Joni Delorier, is, is uh, we're actually recording uh, her CD coming up uh, next month. So I've got that uh, on my plate. Oh, wow. So, um, tons of things on yeah. the docket. So possibly yeah. maybe help Joni with some music videos too, maybe? You betcha. <laughs> you bet. I mean, what, what would you be a supportive husband if you didn't, right? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, and and to be honest, you know, me leaving the city and doing this, a big chunk of what I'm doing is to help her. Um, you know, like I say, she she's more experienced than I am on the songwriting uh, has been and and is, and so she's had some big opportunities. We have a publisher in the U.S. that we partner with, and she they've been pitching her songs to basically any all the famous people. So um, 
uh, we've got some great things happening there. So my a big part of my existence is making sure that she's moving forward. So, yeah, so that's that's part of our whole business uh, model as well. Well, so. I mean, it sounds like she was definitely a big part of getting your foot in the door. So it sounds like it's been a very strong and powerful relationship since the start. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you bet. You know, she's uh, she's she is my secret weapon when it comes to meeting people, and because you know she's just everybody loves her, and she's um, she's kind and very incredibly talented and wise, and so uh, and it's great that we get to do it together, you know, so we can move through this world and and experience all of this, uh, you know, as a couple. So absolutely, it's that's beautiful. I've that really yeah. really is beautiful. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today, Troy. Thanks, Gold. It was my pleasure, and uh, uh, hope to uh, chat with you again in the future. All right. All right. Before I let you go, where can the listeners find out more about Troy Kokel? Well, I'm on all the uh, social channels. You can find Troy Kokel on uh, Troy, TroyKokel.com. Uh, you can find me at uh, Twitter and Instagram and facebook and i'm super accessible and hit me up all right i want to go ahead and give a big thank you to troy coco for joining me here on today's episode of the dtp i also want to go ahead and thank his pr manager susan for going ahead and setting this episode up big ups to you susan thank you so very freaking much of course, I want to go ahead and take a moment to thank you guys, the listeners here of the Desert Tiger Podcast, for tuning in to this episode of the show. If you liked what you heard today on the podcast, I would be extremely ecstatic if you would go ahead and share this episode on your social media, maybe even to your friends and family in person, if you still do that sort of thing, and maybe when you tell them about the show, maybe you want to do so while wearing a Desert Tiger Podcast t-shirt, which you can go ahead and pick up over at ilovedtp.com, just so you can show them just how much you love the show. Of course, you can also go ahead and support the show by rating and reviewing. And if you haven't subscribed yet, that is the best way to start out by joining the DTP fam. Of course, you can also go ahead and follow the show on social media. We are Desert Tiger Entertainment on Facebook. And we are Desert Tiger Podcast over on Twitter and the Instagram, you can also go ahead and follow me personally. I am Colton G. That is a G followed by two E's, of course. And maybe I'll go ahead and give you a follow back for your trouble. Once again, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the podcast and until next episode, I'm going to let you guys go so that you can go and check out that music video that Troy created for that single light bulb. And of course, so that you guys can go ahead and enjoy your own personal big vacation.